Welcome to Dallas Unplugged. I am Tasha Heron Brunk, and today we're going to talk about what all of you are talking about, and that's COVID-19. This disease has claimed over 80,000 American lives to date, and those numbers continue to rise. Right here in Dallas County, we have over 6,800 confirmed positive COVID cases. But for this conversation, we want to talk about the disparities between our communities of color. Why are those communities more heavily impacted? We're going to talk with three guests today that are going to talk to us about the why and hopefully bring us some solutions. Let's just think about this. Many of our communities of color are filled with essential workers, workers that we depend on every day. They come face to face with this deadly virus, but we need to know how do we protect them. Think about our home health aides. Right now, the data shows that home health aides, only 47% of home health workers have PTO. Right now, 3.4 million Americans have asked for mortgage for forbearance. And we know as this virus continues to grow, so will the need. How do we protect those communities that are most vulnerable? Well, today we're gonna to have that conversation and we hope that you stay tuned. Thank you both for joining me uh, for this segment of Dallas Unplugged. Um, today we are talking about the impact of um, COVID-19 on many of our communities of color. And I thought that it was important to have um, you all on. We have two doctors here, Dr. Lejean Poole, who is the Director of Healthcare Management Program at Campbell University and also Associate uh, Professor of Management. And um, I wanted to have uh, you on to talk about healthcare um, more on a national perspective as you work for Trinity Health that you are a chairman of Trinity um, health that governs about 94 hospitals across the country, I think you said. And um, Dr. Edwards, um, who is a emergency room medical doctor right here in Dallas, um, he has been serving our community for decades, but um, he is also a historian in advantaged, uh, in disadvantaged and minority um, health issues. So I thought it was important to have both of you all talk about from a social impact and also from a medical uh, impact. So let's just get right into um, what's happening right now. The CDC just released new numbers, well not new numbers, but just this week that said that 18% um, of the general population is African American. However, they make up 33% of coronavirus cases. So I want to talk about why, um, you know, why this is happening. And my first question goes to you, Dr. Poole. Um, you know, you have seen healthcare from a lot of different vantage points um, and performances across the country. What makes the COVID crisis more impactful on communities of color? Why is it? Uh, uh, thanks, Sasha. There are uh, a couple of reasons, well, a lot of reasons, right? Um, but the first uh, reason uh, I would give is that um, communities of color are coming in contact with the virus at much higher rates than uh, 
other communities. What I mean by that is when you think about people who are going to be around large groups of people most often because of their job, who can't work from home like I can, um, it's going to be disproportionately um, African-American, Latino. Um, and because they can't avoid the contact and uh, some of the, the, the reality is that when people have to work uh, in as cashiers or as bus drivers or as um, clerks, um, our clinicians, when you talk about nursing homes, um, you talk about CNAs, uh, you talk about these other frontline professionals, nurses, LPNs, um, they have to come in contact uh, with the virus. So when you talk about why it's affecting uh, communities of color more, uh, those are some of the reasons they come in contact with it. Uh, having access to general health care to uh, uh, help, um, you know, diseases that can be managed from spiraling. Um, if you don't get access to health care, preventative health care, then those diseases become much more sinister. So as a medical doctor, you know, I would think that our um, hospitals are, you would think inundated with those essential workers, but that's not necessarily true because most of them are continue to, continuing to work. Talk about that, Dr. Edwards. Well, and let's back up. Uh, I, I think that the, uh, uh, Dr. Poo was correct. Uh, there, are, there are some uh, attenuating circumstances, uh, I should say accentuating uh, circumstances that, that affect our community that doesn't affect other communities. That's not genetic, okay? If you don't have a doctor in your community, that's n nothing genetic about that. Uh, if you take Dallas, Texas, for instance, in Dallas County, there are 2.4 million people. Uh, there are 51 hospitals. And if you take and divide it, divide it by the Trinity, you have two on the south side with, with, with a million and three residents. You have 49 on the, on the north side with a million and one. Uh, so, it, you know, it's more, it's not just an individual thing. But if you only give me one option, if I only, only have one option, you can't ask me to operate when they are there's out of three options when I only have one. So what is the responsibility and obligation of the healthcare system? What are the things that they need to be doing better and the things that need to be put in place so we can see real change in our neighborhoods? We are, have really started to focus on the social determinants of health um, because those oftentimes are more important or right. as important than the, um, the, the interventions that we make medically, right? So if somebody's homeless, right? So right. I, I, how can you keep them healthy, right? Yeah. Some, if someone is food insecure, how can you keep them healthy? Uh, we know right now COVID actually is going to have some, at least in the short term, some, some negative effects on some of the investments that we were making uh, to try to uh, invest in communities, uh, again, uh, overall wellness and not just the, because we realize that if we can't keep people well, right, is yeah. at a macro level, we're not going to be doing a good job. We're just putting out fires, right? And, and that's right. not what you want to do. So I love the fact that you're saying that hospitals have to get invested in 
um, making a difference in that piece of healthcare, not just you know the medical piece of it, but also getting involved in the community. And Dr. Edwards, you yourself um, have you know really dedicated to putting your business back into um, neighborhoods of color. You recently purchased a building in which you have plans on bringing a clinic. Um, to um, one of these communities. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, why you're doing that? What is the purpose? What is your intent um, on moving there? Because you could go, you could go anywhere. Uh, let me, let me just add, um, let me add one other uh, caveat to this. Um, let's, let's make sure we understand the type of health system we have, mm -hmm. where healthcare is a privilege and it's not a right. Mm. That means that you get the health care you can pay for. We spend three and a half trillion dollars a year on health care. That's about, if you took everybody, it would be about $10,000 per person per year. Okay? But we rank last behind comparable other countries who spend far less. But where you have something that's a privilege, you, if you don't have what it takes to make that privilege happen, you're not going to get that privilege, or you're going to get just a virgin, small virgin of it. You know, how do we advocate for our own communities? One of the things about how this whole podcast was birthed was to talk about issues that impact our communities and educating people on how they advocate for themselves and, and, and use their voice to bring change to their communities. What, what, what do you say, what do we need to be doing? What well, we're organization, right? And you have to have, you know, groups of people that are like-minded. There's something in Raleigh called Southeast Raleigh Promise. What we did was a, a person who was from uh, that uh, area, Southeast Raleigh, which currently is a, is a you know, fairly impoverished area, um, she said, what can we do? How can we improve this community, right? So uh, talking with other leaders, uh, some politicians, um, some entrepreneurs, they started a fund uh, and they partnered with the YMCA. The idea is that in 10, 15 years, you're going to start seeing the fruits of that labor. And part of the conversation has been, I don't know if this happened yet, but I know it's happened. It, this is part of the advocacy portion, which by the way, healthcare systems um, um, have to be a part of the advocacy, right? And you, you've got to have people that are, that are like-minded and that want to affect change. I agree with you, both of you, um, wholeheartedly about collaboration. I think it takes a collaborative effort with groups that care and want to make an investment in the community. Matter of fact, Dallas Habitat just donated some land in one of our communities, bon our Bonton community, um, for an agape medical clinic. And um, we know that um, health is vital and it's important um, to, you know, our communities and helping our the children and the families in that community grow and thrive. So that is something that um, we're working um, on in that effort. You know, we're, you know, although our business 
has, you know, people think of it as building houses, but it's about building um, community. But I thank you all for being on, you know, you all have been a wealth of information and knowledge. And, um, you know, I, I feel as though we're all gonna come through this, but um, thank you so much for all that you do uh, for the communities that um, you serve. Thank you very much. Doctor, it was a pleasure meeting you. Yep. Yes, sir. Thank you. And uh, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Tasha, good seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. Too. Good seeing you. Thank okay. You. All right. Thank you. All right. Dr. Haynes, welcome to Dallas Unplugged. It is a pleasure to have you here um, with us. You know, I'm a huge fan and um, I've known you for a long time and all of the great work that you're doing. But Dr. Haynes, uh, for 37 years, has been the visionary leader and senior pastor of Dallas's own Friendship West Baptist Church. It's one of the largest leading churches um, in our city. Um, under his leadership, he has about 12,000 members. So his daily work, he's bringing and saving souls and bringing people to Christ, which is, which is a wonderful thing. But here's what's interesting to me is that a big part of his ministry is around social justice. And for a very long time, Dr. Haynes has been a committed community activist, uh, working with local community leaders and Dallas officials and how to uh, fight social justice, whether it's domestic violence or poverty or in economics. So I wanted you here today because most recently you were um, quoted on CNN um, about the work that you're doing locally um, in regards to this national pandemic. You know, you called for a moral appeal to the current administration. You said that, you know, there's, there's something we need to do morally uh, about what's happening. Why did you ask for that? And what does that call for? Well, and, and again, I want to thank you so much, uh, Tasha, for all that you are doing. You are a gift. And it's just exciting to see how you are being used in a very powerful way to make a difference in our community, especially on behalf of those who are struggling and often have no voice and are left behind. So I'm deeply honored that you are allowing me to be a part of this conversation. Infections anywhere are a threat to good health everywhere. So if I'm unhealthy because I got Rona because of my underlying conditions that are yeah. really the result of social pre-existing conditions, and I come in contact with someone who is healthy and they don't look like me, guess what? you can be exposed to this very contagious, very unpredictable, and sometimes fatal virus. And so morally, we have got to recognize we are in this thing together. And what you're saying is so profound, Dr. Haynes, because, you know, I've been saying this, you know, or we've been talking about going from, you know, from habitat to humanity. And what's important Good. is here is that, you know, beyond building a structure, which we're known for doing, part yeah. of our responsibility is obligation is communities and neighborhoods. You can build a house and put somebody in a neighborhood, but if that community is not healthy or thriving or progressing, Thank you. Thank you, you are not, you're we're not, we're contributing to an issue that is not being rectified and we can't just glaze over it. And I love the fact that you say it's all of our issue. You know, it's not Southern Dallas issue. It's an issue for all of us. And, I, and, and you know, when you look at um, the landscape that we're in right now, 
you know, what should we be, how should we be advocating to our policymakers and the people who are in positions of power? You know, I read something the other day that says we can't wait on them. We need to think about how do we advance this ourselves. But at the same time, we understand that policy plays a big role in how our communities are taken care of. So what should we be saying to that, these people? Thank you very much for that question. That is, that, that, that's profound. And for me, it begins with our community designing what I call a vision for wellness and wholeness. So, so what does it mean to have a well, a healthy community? What does a healthy community look like? Because everything has to start with our reimagining what we want our communities to look like. And a healthy community has got to have certain components, such as, again, access to affordable health care and and whatever else this pandemic is teaching us, and that is everybody should have the right to affordable health care. They should have health care that is not just affordable, but health care that is accessible. Uh, move into our current crisis. One of the things I'm a part of, a wonderful coalition of uh, faith leaders led by Bishop William Barber, and uh, we have sent a, an, a moral appeal to the president to the House Speaker, as well as to the Senate Majority Leader. And we are saying to them that we need a stimulus package that focuses on those who are impoverished, that focuses not on the top down, but on the bottom up. If you don't start at the bottom, again, this virus is not going, you're not going to flatten any curve because you're not dealing with the real curve in an emergency fashion address what's going on from the bottom up, and at the same time, look at beyond this crisis, and this for me is so important, no crisis should leave you the same way it found you. So we ought to come out of this crisis better than when we went into the crisis, but we come out better based on the decisions and choices we make while the crisis is going on. And that's why, and I appreciate that because that's why this conversation is so important because it's about community. And um, and I knew that your work um, would touch on all of those uh, points. You know, you know, the government as they're deciding on to reopen and you know, have businesses back up and running. And, and I get, you know, you know, the co- economy needs to continue to move on. But one of the things I think our communities are fearful of and, you know, um, is opening too soon. And what does this do to, you know, the communities that are already suffering? What do you see as some of the impact of that? And Are you concerned? I'm greatly concerned. For our community's sake, I say, you know, look at the disproportionate numbers when it comes to our dying, our being diagnosed with this. America is acting like we're in the ninth inning of a baseball game when in reality we're in the second inning. This game is just getting started. This virus is so unpredictable that we can literally create another curve which is really interesting. Like they've been talking about flattening the curve. And if we do this too quick, the sad reality is another curve will pop up 
I am just, you know, proud of the work that you're doing in our communities. And, you know, what would you, how do you encourage, you know, you have a big job to get up on Sundays and virtually, which, you know, your ministry has gone virtual, just like most of um, the nation. How do you encourage our communities and not just our communities and and the people who want to work with us, you know, people who say, you know, we need to do something and we need to be able to stabilize our communities and, and, and create thriving and growing neighborhoods. What do you say to the families that are living in those communities that are impacted? And then what do you say to everyone else who needs to be a part of the work that you're doing? So my first appeal, Tasha, is that is that we take care of ourselves internally, that we take care of ourselves personally, because if I don't take care of me, there's nothing I'm good for for the community in terms of fighting to make sure that things improve uh, beyond this crisis. Absolutely. And I thank you for that, Pastor Haynes. I, I keep saying, but Pastor, Doctor, I know they call you, you have all of those titles. And um, I just appreciate you taking the time to to be with here and talking to our listeners. I think one of the responsibilities that we have and the reason why we started Dallas Unplugged, that's sponsored by the Habitat, is that we needed to figure out a way to connect to our community and educate people on what's happening and, and why it matters. And, and this is why it matters. And so again, thank you so much for being here because it's about all people, you know, not yes. some people, not some people. It's, it's about all people and taking care of all people, you know, as a, as a country, we have that obligation and it is um, back to uh, humanity. Um, again, thank you. Um, God bless and um, stay safe, Pastor Haynes. You too. Thank you so much. God bless you. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Stay tuned because we have some amazing guests that will be joining us on this journey. You don't want to miss it.